Let's pray. We're going to uh, jump right into the Word of God this morning. Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord. What an incredible joy to gather as the church. So mindful of what you said in Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, not to, not to neglect this. This is special and this matters. It's so good, again, to, uh, to come to a place where we focus on you, we worship in response to you, we hear your word. And then, Lord, even before we leave here, we're privileged to apply it to one another. So, Lord, thank you. Thank you for you. Thank you for your blessings. Thank you for this church family. Thank you for this facility, Lord. And um, as we open your word, as we continue to uh, seek your will above all this summer regarding uh, one another and one another and how to be the church uh, in such a way that it honors and glorifies you, Lord. Help us to do that through your spirit this morning. Lord, we love you. We love your word. And now, uh, Lord, speak to our hearts. And, and Lord, again, we don't want to just be hearers. You say if we're just hearers, uh, we're deceived, we're deluded, but we want to be doers. So, Lord, I pray and ask that you would bring specific application uh, to each person here with what they hear. And in the doing and in the obedience, that there would be transformation. All for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to continue today looking at the church. Right There's a, a wonderful quote by Andy Stanley talking about the early church. He said, the primary activity of the church was one anothering one another. Right? What a, what a beautiful, just I love the simplicity of that. And, and this has been sort of our, our word picture of the church. All of us being in Christ, when you put your faith in Jesus, we're all baptized, according to 1 Corinthians 12, into the body of Christ or the church. So spiritually, positionally, we are one, right? And then what we did today is, those who are here, you did this. We gathered. That's what we call church service, right? And then we scatter. And then during the week, you guys have some of you, your pockets of, of regatherings, hopefully, right? And, and we're spending time this summer as a church family, as we come into year two together, really trying to seek the Lord and say, Lord, okay. I, I understand, right? I, I put my faith in Jesus. I'm part of the church. We hear you say, you hear us around here say, you know, the church is more than just a place you go to. It's who you are all the time. You are the church. We are the church. So what we're really seeking together this summer is how are we supposed to treat one another? How is the church supposed to get along? We call it one anothering one another. And my encouragement to you, in, and even for myself, is, is not to allow sort of the simplicity of that make you tune, tune out. Right? Sometimes you say, oh, you know, one another, one another. And, oh, yeah, sure. I'm just supposed to say hi and good morning and ask you how you're doing. And how you doing? That's good, brother. How you doing? That's good, sister. And I did my church. Right? Is that, is that what we're supposed to do? Or is it much more than that. And sometimes when we say, oh, we're focusing on the church and how we're supposed to be the church, especially if you've been in the church, you can kind of check out. Because it just seems basic. It seems like a wannas for adults. Right? And yet, Jesus, we've seen, and we'll see in a little, in a little bit, Jesus says, hey, church, the way you want another, 
one another is a powerful testimony. Sometimes we think we have to go to Mexico, or we have to go halfway around the world to make a difference for the Lord, to, to be an ambassador for Christ, to let my light shine. I have to do something big, you know? Otherwise, it doesn't really count. No, see, the truth is, you can do something really big for Jesus and the kingdom by one another and one another. Because he says, even the way you love one another, they'll know you are my disciples. Just loving one another biblically is the testimony. Amen? Right? This is again where it's so important if we take the time to just rehearse this. It's called biblical meditation. Bring it over and over and over. Because a lot of us, again, this paradigm that the church is somewhere I go to, and then when church service is over, I leave and get back to my life and real life issues, right? There's a deep paradigm that a lot of us have. And it takes time to work through and change the paradigm. Because what happens, you have this paradigm and typically your thoughts and my thoughts want to line up with the paradigm. That's why we do what we do. The challenging part is when you have a paradigm and then you start trying to bring things in that don't match the paradigm. Romans 12, right? Do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, right? When you and I are taking scripture, and we hear a scriptural verse that actually conflicts or challenges our paradigm, you got to stay there. You have to camp there. That's why I tell you the challenge for me to come up with something new every Sunday that's tough for me. Because it's for many of you, and for me, it takes more than a week to change a habit. Amen? So on a Sunday, I present something to you, or we hear from the Word of God, something that directly challenges a, a paradigm that you've held for 40, 50 years, and in one week, you're supposed to receive it, adopt it, and make it part of your life in one week. Because on Sunday, we're getting something new. You see the challenge? That's why we're camping on this one anothering truth. Because we live in a culture, I've said it before, that's very independent, very privatized, very... Right? Some of you like the seat between you and the next person. Some of you don't, but some of you do. Right? You like your space when you come to church and... Right? You had it all, you got here early. And you found your seat. Clear, clear, clear. I don't have to worry about them because I don't see them. Clear, clear, clear. This is going to be a good service. Oh. Man, that person's tall. Because again, when you have something, the Word of God come in and challenge your paradigm, the way you've been living, not that it's necessarily sinful or anything like this, the way you've been doing things, and you get challenged, you gotta, you gotta stay there. 
It takes time. And it takes accountability. It takes bringing people in. Hey, you got to help me with this. You really got to help me with this. And I have so appreciated people who have heard something here on a Sunday and said, Hey, can we meet? Because I'm really challenged with that. That's awesome. That's what we're supposed to do. If you hear something from the Word of God and you're like, Rope, rope. It's not rocket science necessarily, but when you really understand it and it bumps into your paradigm and you're all the way, oh! How many have ever, what I call, been zinged by the Lord? <laughs> you know it. You've been zinged by a verse, very simple verse. You've been zinged, and you're like, oh, what do you do with that? My encouragement: stay there. Stay there. When you get a zinger and he's like working on your heart and he's challenging you with one thing, one thing, stay there because that's the area of growth for you. That's the area of growth. If you don't stay there and you like feel this conviction and you do nothing with it, then you come and you feel another conviction and you do nothing with it, then he zings you again and now you got three zingers and you don't do anything with any of them. What are you teaching yourself? To ignore the zingers. You stay where you are. Because now you live under this kind of, this sort of Christian guilt. And Christian, Jesus loves you, brother. Walk in newness of life, come to my church. In my church, we preach the word. We get zingers and we just put him in the backpack. <laughs> and we just walk it up. There, there's something, I'll take this the right way. There's something sort of, you have to be very careful when you're coming to a church that's preaching the Word of God. Because there's an expectation. When you hear the Word of God, you're supposed to use and apply the Word of God. Amen? That's growth. That's life. That's transformation. That's the adventure of following Jesus. That's stepping out. That's like, oh, I'm scared to death right now. But he said, that's when, it, that's when your, your, your faith, boom, and you're like, Lord, I need you for your Holy Spirit. I can't do that. And he's like, that's the point. Right? And so here, we encourage you, part of applying what he speaks to you is the person next to you. is supposed to want another you, encourage you, spur you on to do that. And yet somehow it got flipped. Oh, man, the Lord really convicted me about that one. Can't share that with anybody. We're going to get to confessing your sins to one another. Bearing each other, bear with one another, bearing each other's burdens, right? So we live in this privatized culture. We come to this community church. God speaks to you in the community of believers. And yet you leave here, you get, you get like, oh, I work on that. And then you go right back into yourself. You go right back into yourself. And you process guilt and conviction few days, kind of goes, and then next Sunday you're ready to redo it again. Yeah. That's why it's tough on this side. Because my heart for you is to, to just do whatever God has put on your heart to do. Even if it was a message from six weeks ago. Keep coming, but don't be so quick to just, you know, take notes and, okay, another one done, another one done, another one done. That's dangerous. That's a real dangerous place to be. 
And so if we're going to one another, we have to accept that there are, there are deep paradigms, there are deep cultural things, maybe in you and me, that this is going to come right up against. This idea of community, this idea of opening your lives and loving one another. And even today we're going to look at accepting one another. What does it mean to accept one another? Because some of us have had bad experiences in our life with people. Some of us have had bad experiences in the church with people. And that jades us, that colors us, that creates this fear, this hesitation, this suspicion, this insecurity. What do you do with that? Do you just say, okay, accept one another, and then, uh, 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 when maybe this is the time when he's like, you know what? This is the time you need to stay here and work through that pain. This is the time you need to own your part of that, or this is the time you need to step out in faith in the spirit. Okay, that, that's the importance of this. We're going to be looking at, at the idea of, and the truth of accepting one another. And in Romans 14, it's really a context, is where it's Romans 14 and Romans 15. In Romans 14, 1, the Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Rome, and he says this, Accept him whose faith is weak without passing judgment on disputable matters. Right? So from 14.1 to where we're going to get 15.7 today, he's talking to believers who are struggling through, working through relational issues in the church. And it's lifestyle issues. Primarily, if you knew the context, about diet and special days on the calendar. That's what's going on here. And when he says strong and weak, he's talking about believers who have no problem eating certain foods and others who are struggling with eating certain foods. Believers who are observing special days and others who are like, why are you doing that? Right? He's talking about lifestyle differences, not necessarily salvation doctrinal issues. He's dealing with people of all levels of spiritual maturity. He's dealing with Jews and Gentiles. Right? He's dealing with the circumstances that if they're not careful, if they're not careful, can lead to division, judgment, right? Criticism. It can tear the church apart. So he says, hey, first word, accept. Accept. Right? And we're going to be looking at this word accept because in this room, there's diversity. All levels of spiritual maturity in here. All people from different backgrounds, social, racial, economic, church backgrounds in here, right? There's some very opinionated people in this room and some very quiet people in this room, right? This room is filled with the potential. The same potential that he was trying to deal with here. The same potential for division, for judgment, for factions, for cliques. This room right here is filled with the exact same circumstance that he was addressing in Rome. Exact same. And he says, accept. What does that mean? I'll tell you what it doesn't mean, just to give you a little hint. It doesn't mean tolerate. So turn to the person next to you and just smile at them. Because <laughs> a lot of times, let's be honest, we want accept biblically to mean tolerate. 
put up with, endure. Do that to the person next to you too. Right? No, I accept you. Code for, yeah, I'm just tolerating you. Come on, come on, you're accepted. No, it just means we endure you. We put up with you. That is not biblical acceptance. So this is squash that. You're like, oh, bro. Bro, bro. Because in this room, there is great diversity. I know. I know where some of you stand theologically. I know some of your church upbringings. I know what some of you hold very dearly. And some of you hold very loosely. It's right here. Right here. Just below the surface. So I'm going to turn to the next person and just say, smile. Just smile at the person next to you. Knowingly. Just smile knowingly. It's all in See, I've been in ministry uh, 20, 28 years. I've seen what we call the underbelly of church. I see from Sunday dismissal to the next Sunday morning of church. Everything that happens during the week, I get this view of it. And it's all right there. That's why one anothering not only is so important for us, but why, why one anothering is such a powerful testimony. Because I'll tell you right now, turn on the news, our country is struggling with this very issue. Right now. There is such division, such anger, such conflict. And if we're not careful, it'll come right into here. If we don't, if we don't understand biblically what it means to accept one another. Not long after giving his fame, I have a dream speech during the march on Washington in 1963, Martin Luther King Jr. was invited to lecture on race at Western Michigan University. In a question and answer session after the lecture, King said, Christians in the United States fail to live out the tenets of their faith. Quote, we must face the fact that in America, he said, the church is still the most segregated major institution in America. At 11 o'clock on Sunday morning, when we stand and sing, and Christ has no east or west, we stand at the most segregated hour in this nation. This is tragic. Okay. I did some more research on that, found some research articles that revisited that question. Is Sunday morning still, according to Martin Luther King Jr., is Sunday morning still the most segregated hour in, in the United States? And I read some articles and some research that was done 2014, 2015, and you'd be surprised. You'd be surprised at the percentage of predominantly one race churches in America. Right now, at 10.44 a.m. right now. It's still there. There's a lot of reasons for that. There's a lot of reasons for that. It has to do with geography. It has to do with culture. I mean, there's a lot of reasons. We're not saying that, that the church is filled with overt racists. Now, that does exist. That really does exist. And the, the racial issues in the city can come into the walls of a church. We just talked to a pastor this week. Not in this city, but in a city very close to Ohio. And literally, in the sound booth, he shared that in his city, there is racial division that has seeped into his church. And some people in his church no longer go to his church because of the races that are coming to his church. This is the church. 
So don't, I bring this up because this is still 2018. This is still 2018. This was a conversation we had two days ago, three days ago. Right? There's a party that goes, really? And then there's a party that's like, duh. Right? Because the church is made up of sinners saved by grace who bring in all their stuff, all their baggage. Right? How many of you have stuff? Got stuff. Right? Lots of stuff. We have so much stuff in this country, we pay people to store it in their garages. <laughs> Isn't that the best industry ever? You wish, why didn't I think of that? I would love to just store people's stuff. Right? We all have stuff. And when it comes to accepting diversity in the church and everything like that, everyone here, I'm guessing you have had experiences with diversity. I'm not just talking racial, I'm talking economic, I'm talking all kinds of stuff. That maybe you have buried, maybe you tried to avoid, you've not wanted to address, right? In 1999, I got a call uh, to be the youth pastor at a community church. I'd never heard of Ojai. So what do I do? Google Ojai. Okay, look at the church, look at the pictures, start to realize there's a certain demographic at that church. And I'm the one that drove the question. I asked the question. I said, so isn't, isn't your church, and I'm going to just say, you know, it's so hard to be politically correct, so just, this is more testimony. I said, isn't your church like all white? <laughs> yeah. So how's that going to work? <laughs> and I had, we had a great discussion, and I understood the heart behind why I was being asked to come and, and, and all of that. But it's not lost on me, the challenges that would be for me and for the church to come in as the youth pastor. I know what the staff makeup was. I know what the church primarily 99 points was. And I'm coming in as me. <laughs> and we had a, let's just put it out there. Let's just put it out there. And, and I needed to know right off the front, well, why are you bringing me in? And isn't, how do you feel about the potential for people to even leave? Because I know, and I, once I got here, I knew the racial issues in Ojai. Uh, and it's kind of calm now, I'm here, but it was a lot worse back then. In the 90s and stuff, there was some big stuff going on between the races in this valley. And here I come. Right? Had to work through that. In the church. In the church. We worked through it. It was a great conversation, but I drove it. I'm <laughs> like, how's that going to work, man? Right? Even going back further, I've shared with you my story of growing up in South San Diego. And when I was going through junior high in our neighborhood, it was a middle class neighborhood, but it was strictly on racial lines. And there was a lot of gangs, a lot of fights. And you really just, whatever you were, that's your group. Right? Every race had their place on campus, and you just kind of stuck with your own. And growing up, I didn't have pleasant experiences with different races, right? And that just locks in, locks in on you. You, you deal with it, you work through it. And then I get involved in youth ministry in Claremont, 
about 30 minutes north of where I live. And so, the, our church is here, and I live in South San Diego. The pastor, then, Miles McPherson, draws from all over San Diego. Kids who want to come. So I'm here. Church is here. There's two guys, if you know San Diego, from Southeast San Diego. African-American community. Right there. And he's like, hey, you mind swinging by and picking them up for midweek? Now, in my mind, I'm like, heck yeah, I mind. That's the neighborhood I don't go to. I have no reason to go to there. I'll avoid it at all costs. I don't want to go to that neighborhood. That's not the safe part of town, quote unquote. And I've had bad experiences with that race growing up. So I'm getting triggered. And I love Miles because I can do it anyway. <laughs> so I call him. I make arrangements to come pick him up. And they live in an apartment in Southeast San Diego. The kind of neighborhood and the kind of apartment when you show up, everyone knows you don't live there. I still remember. My heart's beating. drive up, you gotta go to the back of the apartment, and all eyes are on you when you drive up. Is so-and-so here? I don't even know where the guy is. Is so-and-so here? Oh, you want so-and-so? Hey, go get so-and-so! And he comes out, jumps back. Then I had to drop him off afterwards. And through that, I had to really be challenged with this accepting one another. Even as an up-and-coming youth pastor. And then we had to go out at other times and get group home kids from El Cajon, another 30-minute drive east, load up group home kids, gangbangers, and people who, homeless kids, who were in a group home, load them into the van, get them to church, and then after church, take them back in 30 minutes, and you don't get back to church till 11 o'clock at night. I didn't hang out with group home kids. I was, I was like, honors, AP, the college track. And Miles was like, hey, we need you to drive the van and go get these group home kids. Okay. And I go, you know, and you're like, I'm again processing it because I did not have very good experiences with gangbangers growing up. Everything in me wanted to avoid them growing up. And now I'm supposed to go get them and bring them to church to love Jesus. And all the while I'm struggling deeply struggling with my own stuff about my own experiences. Oh, this is tough. This is tough. And I realized in retrospect that the Lord was growing me through it. Was growing me through the discomfort. Was, was challenging me to stretch myself and get over myself. To not live in the past. To confront the fears. To confront the anxieties. To confront the anger. Right? Even in the church. So I understand Paul. I love it. I, I get it. You know, we're not going to candy coat it around here. There is diversity in this room. We get that. That is why, quite honestly, we have committed to just stay true to this. Amen? Amen. This is our compass. 
This is our rock, this is our foundation, and we're all going to point everybody, with all the diversity in here, we can be unified around the truth. Amen? Amen. That's what we got to do. That's what we got to do. And so, there is this, this, okay, so how do you do that? Help us out. How can we get to this accepting one another? Well, look at Romans 15. We're just going to read this because it's uh, six verses, so if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Romans 15, verse 1. Or your phone can read it to you, Bill, if you'd like. But um, <laughs> Romans 15, verse 1. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please his neighbor for his good, to build him up. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus. So that with one heart and mouth, you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So what are some foundational pillars that, that we can use to help us in this accepting of one another? Number one is what I call the means, right? In verse 4 and 5. It says, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ. The means, how do we, how do we begin to actually live out accepting one another, loving one another? It's the word. Scriptures, and it says, may the God, that spirit is not necessarily the Holy Spirit there, but in the, in the context, the broader context, it's through the spirit. It's only through the Holy Spirit. Right? So the means are scriptures, Holy Spirit, right? Philippians 2, 12, 13 says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill His good purpose. How do we get to the place of being able to accept one another? you gotta, you got to be fully reliant on God. You say, Lord, I need you to give me the will to do that. And God, I need you to give me the power to do that. Amen? You've got to be in the Spirit. It's a supernatural act. Right? So it's the Scriptures. It's the Holy Spirit. Romans 15.5 says, May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus. So you got the means. The model is who? Jesus. You have to stay focused on following Jesus. He's our model. Ephesians 2.14 For he himself is our peace who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Right? Our example is Jesus and, and the example where it says dividing wall of hostility. If you know the old temple, the temple had different courts. There was a court for the Gentiles and then you keep going and there's a court for the Jews. And the crazy thing is, they found this inscription on the temple in Greek and Latin, and it says this, quote, No foreigner may enter within the barricade that surrounds the sanctuary and enclosure. Anyone who is caught doing so will have himself to blame for his ensuing death. This is the temple. You want to talk about division and hostility? Just go back to the relationship between the Jews and the Gentiles having to get together and mix. 
Utter hatred, utter contempt. They called them dogs. They wanted nothing to do with them. Right? And in Christ, they were all supposed to learn to love and accept one another. Right? As a testimony to the Lord, right? And what's the motive? We have the mean, we have the model, the motive. Glorify God. Verse 6. So that with one heart and mouth you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. John 13, 34. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you. There's the model. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. That's glorifying the God if you love one another. So the means? Scripture. Holy Spirit. The model is Jesus. The motive? Glorify God. If you were reading that, if you, if you heard that, you may just wait to chew on it. It has nothing to do with you and me. The focus is not on what I get out of it. The focus is not how I feel about it. It's all about Scripture, the Holy Spirit, Jesus, and glorifying God. I'm not in the mix. It has nothing to do with me. Isn't that crazy? Accepting and loving one another, I'm out of the picture. I just gotta obey. Amen? You see what I'm saying? But the paradigm, see right now, some of your paradigms, you have this paradigm, and it's getting like this. You're getting bombarded. It's like, really? It's not about me and how I feel about it and my past and my experiences and whether I want to go to that neighborhood and whether they uh, no, no, it's, oh, it's not about, oh, it's just about glorifying God and the power of the Holy Spirit because Jesus did? Oh. Yeah. And so right now, we're getting seen because we're getting, our paradigms are getting challenged, right? Yeah, I, I understand that, right? And 15.7 says this, Romans Accept one another. Then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. I love that verse. That is, that is the simplicity of that verse. Transformative for your life and the church. If we get this. Accept one another. Then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. That word accept. Okay, didn't mean tolerate it didn't mean endure, and it didn't mean put up with, right? That word accept means to welcome, to receive, to invite in as a friend. Ooh, right? To receive into one's home or circle of acquaintances. Come on in. Come on in. Right? And then the, the, the verb, they call it a present imperative verb, which means continually. So we are continually, as a habit, as a lifestyle, to be welcoming people in. To be receiving them in to our circle. That's biblical acceptance. Radically different than just tolerating you, and you're better than you. You know what I mean, right? See? Because if we're not careful, we start, if we don't go this way, we're going to tolerate and endure route, then we start labeling people and we put people on our scale. Okay. Versus, no. Biblical acceptance is, come on in. Come on in. Welcome, receive into the circle of acquaintances. Excuse my friends. It doesn't mean you're not wise and discerning where people are coming from. 
We're not saying that, right? Because everyone still has a sin nature. And people still will try to manipulate you and the church and take advantage of you. We're not saying check your brain at the door. At all. What we're talking about is a heart condition, a heart issue that at its core is welcoming versus filtering. And just sort of, uh, uh, uh. One of the greatest testimonies, I believe, to the Lord of you is that this church is very accepting. Amen? At its core. You come through the door, hey, welcome. And we're not phony or fake about that. We're genuinely glad you're here and genuinely want to get to know you. And sometimes that blossoms into wonderful relationships. Other times, you know, it takes a while. It takes a while. But at its core, biblical accepting of one another is radically different than tolerating. It's welcoming. That's a powerful word, welcoming. Welcome one another. Receive one another, right? Receive one another. That's what we're supposed to be doing. I love this, uh, this quote. Some comedian says, It's just like magic. When you live by yourself, all of your annoying habits are gone. <laughs> I was like, that is amazing. It is like magic. When you live by yourself, all of your annoying habits are gone. So turn to the person next to you and smile. Right? Like, how does that work, right? I love that because we're called to be here together with all of our own individual annoying habits. All collectively in the, in the messiness of church. That's why it's essential to have the right heart. Loving one another, accepting one another, knowing that we all bring the box called annoying habits. Amen? Amen? <laughs> no one wanted to like, come on, you got them. My goodness. Right? And then it says, powerful part. Accept one another. Right? We get that. What it means. Just as Christ accepted you. Whew. I gotta be honest with you, that's, that's really what's uh, been for me that I was struggling through reaching out to these kids. Just as Christ accepted you. Because sometimes we forget, or we don't want to remember, or our pride or our ego comes in, and we forget how Christ accepted us. Right? I read a passage to you. If you want to turn to Romans 5. Romans 5, verses 6 through 10. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through life? So, so how did Christ accept you? When you were powerless, ungodly, a sinner, and his enemy. 
That's you. So in Romans 15, 7, it says, we're to accept one another just as Christ accepted you. That's got to be the starting point. We're to love one another as Jesus loved us, and now we realize we're to, we're to accept one another on the same basis as Jesus accepted us. We are powerless, ungodly sinners, and we are his enemies. And that stops me in my tracks when I'm struggling with welcoming, accepting someone. Because then I'm wondering, well, who am I to have a higher standard than the Lord? Who am I to set the bar that someone needs to jump through before I accept them in Christ? Because then I'm reminded of where I was when he accepted me with all my stuff and all my baggage and all my junk. And he says, hey, church, go back to when you first were accepted by Jesus. And in that humility and in that overwhelming grace, can you just extend that to somebody? Be real careful that you're not applying some higher standard that somebody has to meet on the front end before you'll accept them. That's why, you know, honestly, I, I love this church. We're not a perfect church. We're a very diverse church in many ways. When I look out here, I've told many people, what I love on Sundays is if I were to take a picture of this church, I see Ojai. I see diversity, not just racial diversity, but economic, all kinds Different neighborhoods are all represented here. I love that. I love it. But here's the thing, guys. Verse 7 says, Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. Here's the thing. We love this church. I love the church. I love what he's doing here and all of its imperfections. But here's the thing. Let's love one another as Christ loved us. Let's accept one another as Christ accepted us. So that when anyone asks, what's going on there? He says, oh God. See, it's not enough for Ojai Valley Christian Fellowship. It's not enough for the well to just be known as a friendly place. It's not enough for us just to be known as a welcoming place. Because quite honestly, guys, there's a lot of wonderful civic organizations out there. That are very loving, very servant-minded, do a lot of good, and will welcome you. What sets us apart? What makes the church unique? The means, the model, and the motive. Amen? See, this is incredible. This we should enjoy. This we all participate and foster, and, and, and we want boom, right? But may it never be that it's just about us. Amen? No. When anyone asks what's going on at the well, you glorify God. Because it is only a miracle that this diversity in this room is still sitting here. I mean, if we're just honest, this is a miracle. And so, if you see fit in conversations and everything, I say, hey, I heard your church is a really friendly place. Take it to the next level. Yeah, we are. But you want to know why? Because we're following God and His example. And we want it to glorify God. I don't want us to get stuck on us. And it's all about us. And you got to come to the well 
Why do you want people to come to the well? To meet Jesus. That's, that's the whole point. For the glory of God. Yes, we're loving. Yes, we're welcoming. Yes, we're accepting. But it's not just us. Don't stop there. That's, that's, that's the whole point of this, right? Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. Don't miss that last clause. Don't miss that last clause, in order to bring praise to God. That's the whole point of this. That's the whole point of this. I love this little poem. It says, some people can be difficult to love, and so we do not even try to care. But God says, love them just as I love you. You'll bring me glory as my love you share. It's not about us. We'll bring him glory as his love we share. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about bringing him glory, right? And then finally, Ephesians 5 says, imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. We're going to take communion in just a little bit. Here's what I want you to do. This, this is challenging. A lot of, a lot of corals. Because a lot of us tend to make our life fit us. We like to be in control. We like to be comfortable. We like to manage things just so, maybe not perfectly, but for the most part, it jives with our paradigm and how we want things to be. If you want to be the church that we're called to be, you're going to have to have a heart. And you're going to have to let yourself be challenged. And you're going to let the paradigm you can stretch and God may send you to another neighborhood because he knows that's what we need to do. That's where we need to go. I'd be a friend, Brother Larry, who grew tremendously when I twisted his arm to come down to Skid Row with me 20 years ago. We were bringing some high schoolers down to Skid Row and he was honest and he had this beautiful weekend together and God stretched him in the environment of Skid Row and homeless. And turn that area of his life into this beautiful, beautiful compassion. But he had to go. And it took me, his little brother, come on, man! <laughs> come with me! I need you! And he came. And it was so beautiful to see God work in this big, hulking man and soften his heart. But he had to get in the mix. And somebody in this room might be the person that God says, go help that person. Come on, they're struggling, they're scared, they're insecure, they're angry, they're hurt. Help them. One another them do this. Just one another them do this. So we put you in the church to do that, but then we saw it's just as Christ accepted us. And so Lynn's going to sing a song, and here's what I'd like us to do. To me, over there, I just wanted to give you this time. To listen and sit and just reflect on your acceptance. Your acceptance.